Hey, thank you for joining us today. This is Rebecca Tapia, your podcast host. If you're finding any value of this podcast, please do share it and leave a review. And also, nothing discussed here is formal medical, legal, or financial advice. And this is not a patient-doctor relationship. It is really just a couple of people sitting around, or maybe just myself, discussing difficult topics related to aging parents. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, welcome back to the podcast, Real Conversations About Aging Parents. I would not be an authentic podcast host if I did not include conversations with my own parents. So in anticipation of the upcoming Father's Day, please enjoy this in-depth conversation with my dad as we look at topics of his own life, decision-making, his parents, uh, the culture that we come from, how we make decisions together. I hope you find it entertaining, heartwarming, and maybe even spurs you to some good questions as you approach Father's Day yourself. Thank you so much. Okay, Dad. So, I just came to see you, and you showed me that you created a will and an advance directive. Right. How long were you thinking about doing that? A long, long time. Why? Because it's just something important. I didn't want to uh, pass away and just leave leave you guys holding the bag. You know, I wanted to be I wanted to be more prepared. How did your parents handle that? They did this. They did that. They they were well prepared long before I got prepared. They had. Uh, made their wills, they had already had all their funeral arrangements arranged and there was nothing we did when my when my father and mother passed away. All we had to do was pay for the backhoe to dig the grave. Oh. Did it feel like, did you have any mental drama over not wanting to write this because you didn't want to think about your own mortality or did it have any kind of weird was it more like it just felt like an administrative task that you just didn't make time for? Or did you have drama like, oh, if I write this, then it means I'm old or I'm no, dying? No, or no I'm... drama like that. It's Nothing? Just, uh, I just procrastinated. Just. But not because of how you thought it might make you feel to write no, it? No, not at all. Did the cost give you any heartburn to write it? Or you feel like it was worth it? It was, what, $3,200. Right. Yeah. But that felt like it was worth it to you. Well, now it does. It's over. It's a lot. Of, it was, uh, you know, the lawyer did most of the work, obviously, but I had to answer lots of questions. I had to have meetings, and um, we had to change some things a couple of times, and, you know, but uh, it's done now. And honestly, when I went and signed that, it just took a, a load off of me. Okay. So you, you appreciate that it's done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. Yeah. So when you decided about who was going to be your medical power of attorney, did you make that decision based on expertise? Because you have two medical children, or children in the medical field, or did you make it based on who you thought would make better decisions, or how did you make that decision? It was more, I've got two children that are doctors, and 
they understand uh, those things. They work with advanced directives all the time, and and uh, so I just thought I would uh, uh, put them there. Okay. Okay. Um, did you? Did you have any other drama come up when you were writing this or answering all those questions that you think would uh, kind of keep people away from writing things like this? No. Did you do it out of caring about your kids in the future? I, was, I did it first, well, more, more or less it was the right thing to do, I, but it was out of caring and love for my family. I didn't want them to, I didn't want to die and then all this end up in probate and, you know, and so. So if there's somebody who feels standoffish about approaching their parents and asking them these types of questions, like, hey, have you thought about writing a will or yeah. an advanced directive or, hey, it's really awkward, I don't want to bring it up, it's going to upset my dad, yeah. what would you say to them? Do you have any tips, like, being on sort of the receiving end of some nudges well, and pushes just, or you know I'd probably just approach it if they haven't done it and just say well, you know when you're talking to them just say you know we're all going to die someday yeah we all have things we work for all our life and if we want to pass what we have on down to further generations you need to have that need to have you know get that taken care of because if you don't then you'll end up in probate court or something like that and the state will end up getting uh, a huge part. I, I know this because my aunt had an aunt that died when she was very young. She was like 42 years old. They had She had no will and it totally caused a huge financial burden on the family because uh, their family like inherited her her part and they had to pay taxes on that you know hopefully that doesn't happen here it just passes on down you don't have to pay you know different things I just know that when she passed away, it was really hard on that family for a while. So you saw that, and that might have made an yeah, influence. Yeah, well, on. it just, yeah. yeah. So you're 70, yeah. right? Do you feel, how old do you feel? Do you feel all of 70 years old? How, how did you think this would be? Well, I thought 70 was really, really old. And you have reasons for that. Tell us about that. I don't know. Because of oh. your dad and yeah. your uncles and yeah and in my family my dad was the youngest of four brothers and all three of his brothers died in their 40s from heart attacks in their you know, 40s yes none of them lived to see 50 and uh my grandfather died in uh, his early 50s of a, of a heart attack when my dad was in the Navy and on a ship in World War II he got a telegram that his father died and and my dad always thought he would never live past 50 or you know much past that time 
And he didn't. He, there was things that he, I thought he should do or could do, and we would talk about different things, but he, he always had that on his mind. He didn't think he was going to be around. And then I got to thinking the same thing. Uh, but my dad ended up having a... <clears throat> he, had a he had some angina, some chest pain, really bad, and he got to the hospital and, and uh, ended up having so, so a couple of arteries that were blocked, and they were able to, um, to take care of that, and he lived... From that time, he lived another 12 years. But he would always say that he was living on borrowed, you know, on additional How old time. was he when he died? He was 69. So 69. I out, no, 69. Okay. So I outlived him. Um, I just, this past year, I, I, I'm, I've lived longer than he did. In fact, I've lived longer than the last probably two generations of stags. Yeah. I made it to 70. Wow. Stag's men. Yeah. Yeah. And did, did the women in your uh, family line live longer, right? Or your mom didn't live that long either, right? 60... No, she was 67, 66, 67. something like that. Okay. Does it feel weird that you've exceeded that? Like, does that change the way you think or do anything? I never thought I would live this long. Yeah. So, um, I'm doing things now I might not should be doing, but I'm enjoying my life. Yeah. Can you give me an example? My horses, you know, just seeing something getting built out here that I would, would, would have wanted to do, but I could never do that. I mean, I had five, four kids. And Wait, you had five kids? You gotta tell me more no, about this. No, just okay. four. It All right. Four. All right. Just wondering. Uh, four kids, and uh, and uh, so I just never really had the funding to to get involved in the competitions and the different things, and uh, so I enjoy that. Okay. Um, do you have any like maybe this is an unfair question since my brother and I are both sitting here, but how do you feel? like children can support aging parents? What does that look like? What does good support from your children feel like when you're 70 years old? Is that them checking on you? Is that them? I don't feel knowing? like I need support. Okay. Right now. I mean, even just emotional relationships. Well, it's support. always good. I mean, I love my kids and it's, uh, it's always I enjoy them. I, I know people who don't enjoy their kids. Ooh. They don't enjoy their grandkids. Yeah. And that's that's my life. That's the best thing I ever did. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I enjoy them. I wish, you know. Um, if you were to need extra help, because of a, and you're a nurse. Oh, let, let's mm -hmm. tell everybody you you have a nursing degree, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got a very uh, colorful combination of working in road and land development and construction, and also being uh, having an RN. And I'm a cowboy. And you're a cowboy. Mm -hmm. So you're RN cowboy. So if something happened and 
let's just walk through if you had a stroke. So strokes are extremely common, right? And you know what those look like because you're a nurse and you couldn't move the left side of your body. And you live here mostly alone, although Josh lives here nearby. Um, what, what kind of help would you want? The, the, the range of options would be hiring somebody to come into the house and help with you, um, going into a nursing home type setting, uh, coming to live with one of your children. Like, where are your lines in the sand as far as privacy? My lines kind of in the sand is I don't ever want to go to a nursing home. Okay. So shoot me. Shoot you? Yes. I... Oh God! I okay. Mean, uh, you I don't mean, want to ever live in a. No, it's just adamant about that for a long no, time. I wanna. I've tried to build my house here to accommodate older age. I built in uh, grab bars. Right. Around in my toilet, grab bars in the shower, and I try to remove any rugs that'll slip out from under you to avoid falls and okay. and um so i've tried you know i, I want to be here and if but having somebody come in that would help you get out of bed shower that would be something maybe you know home health services or something like that if that was something that was necessary okay and even if if, if it had to be like a private pay person that would come in Outside of the, if in addition to home, well, hopefully I could afford that. Okay, but you would want those stops all pulled out before ending up in a yeah uh, a nursing home type setting. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but you would go to like a short term rehab. So if oh, you broke yeah. a hip yeah. or something, yeah, if it's something like yeah, but like I two don't, or three weeks. I don't want to be in a nursing home. Where does that come from? That comes from. Maybe not wanting to be around people I don't know. Okay. You're kind it of a comes private from person, the right? day my mother died. I went to visit her in the nursing home that morning, and she was crying, and she was begging me to take her home. Oh, gosh. I didn't know that. Yes. And she, she wanted to leave there. And uh, she was promising me different, you know, I'll be good. I, you know, I won't eat all this yeah. stuff. And I told her, Mama, I got things I got to do right now, but when I'm done today, I'm going to take you home. I will take you back home. We'll get you out of here. And about the middle of the day, I got a call from the doctor and said she passed away. And, uh, and she didn't really have like a terminal diagnosis. She had COPD, but she had, COPD. She had some sort of heart attack or something, right? I don't know. Yeah. What it was. She had a she had a valve problem in her heart. I learned about maybe three or four months before she died. Yeah. But um. Um. I heard the story of my grandfather who was put into a nursing home. And that was her, her father? That was my mother's father, my grandfather, the only grandfather I really had. And um, he got so upset by put getting in a nursing home 
Uh, he just kind of went into a, a rage and then he ended up strangling on his, he had a... Like an oxygen tube? He had or a trach tube. Oh. And, and he died right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it was because he was so upset. So I know we joke about, you know, oh, I don't want to go there, just shoot me. But there are some practical limitations to how that actually works. And are you saying that you would want your kids to load you up in an airplane and take you to Oregon where assisted death is legal? No. To avoid going in a nursing home? No. There's too many liberals up there. <laughs> no. We'll take you to the most conservative part of Oregon no. where it's legal. But, but I say this because I hear people say this and I don't actually understand what they mean. Because the way it goes in real life is you stay at home as long as you can afford to stay at home. And then the way that Medicaid works is once you have no more money left then you go into a Medicaid-funded nursing home and you spend the remainder of your natural life there. Well, I, I don't know. I just hope something happens to me before that happens. Okay. I mean, I, would you I don't live know what with, else to say. Would you live with one of your kids before you'd go to a nursing home? Yeah, I would do that probably if that was necessary. But it just depends. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a burden either, you know. Okay. And uh, I... Um, have a tremendous faith in God, and God knows what I want, what I need, and I'm hoping He helps take care of that. I, I have my my faith is in in Him and His hands, and when the time comes, I hope He, I hope it works out well. So. The life expectancy for, for males in the United States is 72. Yeah. And you're 70, mm -hmm. almost 70 and a half now. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything left on a bucket list that you feel adamant you want to accomplish in the next year or two? I got a bucket list, but it's not adamant. Okay. I am happy. Okay. I am happy right here. I'm happy. Um, I'm very happy with my life. A lot happier than I've been, you know, earlier in my life. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I was, you know, it's kind of strange. It's kind of funny to me. But there was a time last year, after all this time of being single that I really actually started feeling lonely and I was it was very bothersome but then Josh brought a, a little dog home and that little dog inherited me that's Chico and uh, and he has just turned my life around Really? Uh, yes. Tell me about that. Well, he's with me all the time. When I'm working at the desk, he's at my feet. Yeah. When I go to the bathroom, he sits in there and waits. Uh, if I come in here and sit down on the couch, he gets in my lap. When I take a shower, he takes a shower with me. <laughs> okay. And he sleeps with me every night. 
Um, he just keeps me, is the greatest, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was this dog. Okay. You can come with him. This is another great thing that happened to me. <laughs> this is Athena. She's awesome. Well, let me ask you some morbid questions. So, when you die, we're going to be devastated. As devastated as you were when your dad died. Yeah. And I want you to talk to the people who would appear at a celebration of life for you and tell them what you want them to know. How do you want them to feel or think about this or be reassured or not reassured? What should they rejoice about? What should they worry about? Well, I, I was, when my dad died, I was not expecting that. It was just a complete shock to me. I can remember your mother called me yeah, and told me he died and I just almost dropped the phone. I just... I couldn't say anything, and uh, so it's tough. You know, that was tough. Um, but I want you to know that I do truly believe I'm going to be in a better place. I'm going to be with my father. I'll be with my mother. I'll be with my best friend Jay Hill. I'll be with. I'll see two of my older brothers, yeah. or an older brother and a younger brother that died. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I believe that. And so I don't fear death. Do I want to die? No. Right. I want to be here, you know, as long as I can. But you don't feel like you're trying to outsmart it and outlive it. I'm not trying to outsmart it or outlive it. And, and I don't fear it. I mean, if it happens, you know. I know I'm going to be in a better place, and I, I would want y'all, I would want any of my kids or anything to, to be happy for me, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So was death like a taboo topic in your house? Was that something that... <laughs> Everything was taboo in my house growing up. What do you mean? Well, it just was... I know that my father and my mother loved me very much but I never heard them say that Wow! one time in my whole life never did I hear my father or my mother tell me they love me and I tried to make a difference with my kids I always wanted to tell them I loved them right and uh, I didn't want to be that way it's generational thing what do you think that was about that was just the way that just generational they lived through the Depression. Yeah. They fought World War II. And, you know, they saw things that, real young, that people shouldn't see, or they experienced those things. And I just think it, it might have had an effect on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, you know. So, what, if you had to name three things that you wanted, to change in your generation. So one of them would be being more affectionate or yeah. being I more expressive. To, I wanted to be able I wanted to be able to say I love you to my kids. Without and, telling your kids, my mom and dad never said this. So. Well, I might have told y'all that. Before, I don't remember that. But uh but uh 
but no, they just never did. They just weren't capable. But they did love me by their actions, just by their actions. Uh, and uh, I'm not, and I, I don't, I never felt like they didn't. They just never could say it. Did you think, or can you think of anything else that you felt like you wanted to pivot in your generation that your children would have a different experience than you did other than that? Not really. That was a big one for you? Yeah, that was, that was a big one. That was, that was, that was important to me. Yeah. I mean, I would be with friends and, and, uh, you know, at, at their home. And when we would leave to go wherever we were going, their parents would say, I love you. And, you know, yeah. you know, so some parents are able to do it. Some weren't. And, uh, so, so one of the things I wonder about, and maybe this is me thinking about myself, um, and you can think about all four of your children have very different personalities, but there seems to be, at least from the perspective of being a physician, uh, an emphasis on the daughter taking a lead role in helping navigate sort of taking care of parents. And I think about your, your aunt, Carolyn, who helped take care of your grandfather. Mm -hmm. That would have been her father-in-law, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that there's maybe some cultural or maybe just practical expectations that um, usually it's the daughter bringing the person to the doctor's appointment. Usually it's the daughter at the hospital. And so when you get sick and go in the hospital, which has happened, right? I, I will tell people you have AFib. Mm -hmm. And so you've landed in the hospital a couple times right. with this. And then COVID last year, um, I feel immediately drawn to being there. I mean, you're single, right? You got divorced over 10 years ago. Right. And I know my brothers feel also empathetic about your situation, mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm the one that's there. Maybe that's because I'm the one being there and then I'm the one that's there and I want to be that because I'm controlling in that way and, mm -hmm. and want to show up. But do you have a sense of how is it me? Why is it not, you know, of course, the story I tell myself is, well, I'm medical and I'm the daughter and I live close to the medical center. And so I'm that one. But there's a lot of families that I don't think have a discussion about what to do when dad gets sick. You just mm -hmm. do. Right. And then I end up starting a text stream with my brothers and yeah. like, how does that work in your head? Like, have you thought about that? There's a lot of women in my position who have a career and have young children and also have parents who are having, you know, medical problems. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole reason I'm doing this project is to just examine that a little bit, yeah. to take a generations before me maybe didn't have this problem because a lot of women did not work in professional careers like mm -hmm. Nana's generation or your mom's generation. This wasn't something that they were had an entire professional career and mm -hmm. then they had to figure out how to manage that and be there for their yeah. children and somehow be there. And so I really think, you know, my driving passion for this project is, let's just talk about what this looks like because this is actually relatively new for people like me to, to try to prioritize and understand 
what that looks like. And I'm very thankful that you're otherwise really healthy, but I have this always thinking that you're going to text or call me and say, I'm on my way to the heart hospital, or Josh is going to call me and say, you know, dad's having chest pain, yeah. and, then, and then we're going to go into action. And I'm not, I'm not second-guessing any of that. I'm just wondering, like, how did you see that develop? Is that just... We've never actually sat down and said, I'm the one that's going to go sign you into Texan, right? Yeah. Where does that come from? I just, <coughs> of course, in today's world, it, I think everything's different, but I think there's, men and women are different. I think you're more empathetic. Uh, em, empathetic, I think that's the right word. Um, um, it's not that Josh wouldn't take care of me. If something happened to me here, I'm sure he'd stop everything he's doing. And uh, and get and get, he has done that. Yeah, he has, and uh, and uh, get me the you know whatever help I need. And uh, but um, it's always I think in the past it's always been the women who seem to take that role and do well in that role. Um, maybe in the past, I mean. It's, it's only been in the last 40 or 30 or 40 years where you have to have a two-income household now, almost, right. to raise a family. It wasn't that way back in my grandfather's day and my father's day. My mother worked hard all her life, but she did that supporting my father. He couldn't have done the things he did if she wasn't in the background doing his books and keeping him up to date on people calling and and uh, she was, he would have been lost. In fact, I did see him lost one time when she ended up in the hospital. And uh, I think it's the first time I ever saw him write a payroll check. And he was trying to figure, you know, how was she, she doing that? And uh, so, Though she never worked in a profession, and never she didn't necessarily get a, a wage for what she did. She worked as hard as anybody, yeah. And her role was as important as anybody, because my dad was a good man, and he was a very successful man. But behind him was her, and he couldn't have done it without her, in my opinion. Okay. So I have this, like, I don't have a good meter if I'm spending enough time with you. I don't know how to know if I'm spending enough time with you, calling you enough, texting you enough, visiting you enough. And I don't know what enough is or by whom would say it's enough. Yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, you've done a lot for me. You've done a lot for me, and uh, and I think you spent quite a bit of time helping me. I remember one time I called you at four thirty in the morning, and I was in AFib, and uh, and I was having to go on a training the next day, and. I didn't know whether I should go, and you talked to me, I don't know if you remember this, but almost two and a half hours. And, 
And then... Um, what did I tell you to do? Well, you told me, you know, we're, the main thing was uh, the heart rate. You know, if the heart rate's less than 135, you know, you probably... Okay, if it gets up higher than that, you know, it's going to be worse. And and um, I kind of just left it just to see. This was a Sunday morning. This was like 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday. And I was going to have to fly out Monday morning. And uh, so you spent a lot of time with me. You, I love you very much. I mean, you saved my life. <laughs> I think at least my psychological life you know on many occasions and I know you know what I'm talking about but uh, it's um, yeah I think you you are a very loving daughter and very um, um, appropriate and how often you call me and you always want to come I know you wanted to come out here a couple of weeks ago or before your well you did trip. the water troughs and then yeah got tired yeah I, there are a lot of people in my position th there's a lot of things going on in our head at all times yeah. right and and I have a lot of friends of mine who persistently just think they're not doing enough that their parents are getting old and they should be you know out there more no matter what it is right it's I should be calling them more I should be uh going to see them more I should be making more effort I should be and it's hard to to moderate that like yeah. it it's hard to know well gosh you know if, if they die should i have thought i, I should have been out there twice a week or no, no what does that look like i mean well and maybe it's not like a you should come thing. out here first off because you want to come here you know right. this is your old old home you were raised right here and uh so but um you know, I'm not, I'm just very happy right now. I love, I'm fortunate that I have, you know, grandkids and I love every one of them. And I love being around my grandkids and, uh, and especially that they're getting a little older and, you know, and do a few more things and think of some other things to do, but. Uh, and you've got grandkids from one year old to 22, 22. years old. <laughs> yeah. The 22 year old, she's pretty much gone. You know, love her very dearly, but she's she going on in her life. And she's, she, um, I see her maybe three or four times a year. And, and I always enjoy seeing her. And she's always been very willing to talk to me. and you know, and, and share what her life's going on, what she's doing, and that's kind of what's important to know. I want my grandkids to tell me how they're doing, you know, what what are you doing, how'd school go, how you, you know, those are things that are important to me. And um, so, um, that's, that's what, and, and you, um, I mean, you're very, you've always been very good at calling me and just seeing how I was doing, see what's going on, different things. So, 
I think you I think you do that very well. Well, thank you for letting me talk to you mm-hmm. and ask you tough questions. I All appreciate right. it. I'm trying to help other people that are same life position I'm in. So I understand. Yeah. Well, I love you very much. Thank you. I love you too. Take care. Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. I am here to let you know I can be found on RebeccaTapiaMD.com. You can come over there to learn about my new course launching this summer, dealing with mindset for aging parents, getting prepared, all the good stuff, sharing my opinions and life lessons. Uh, Also could just join my email list so I can share more about my thoughts about these podcasts and more insights there. Thank you so much for being here.